2: welcome everyone to the sports illustrated media podcast i am your host jimmy treyna thank you for listening on this week's episode we have an interview with joe davis who is the new voice of major league baseball at fox taking over from joe buck he's in the mix for the uh, number two nfl job at fox and i'll, I'll tell you a little bo- bit more about the interview with joe davis in a second just full disclosure here just want to be totally honest The interview with Joe Davis was recorded early Tuesday afternoon before we got news of the unspeakable and unfathomable uh, tragedy, school shooting in Texas. So don't want anyone to think, you know, we were just having this fun interview and talking about grilling, which we did for a while while that was going on. This was recorded before we, we got that news. No train of thought segment with Sal Licata this week. Just going to give you the Joe Davis interview. And, um, you know, hopefully we can, uh, you know, get something done here and, and try to fix whatever problem needs to be fixed. I mean, I think we know the problem that needs to be fixed, but I know that's not why you guys are listening. So we're going to just give you the Joe Davis interview this week. It's a good one. Like I said, Joe takes over for Joe Buck. He will call the World Series this year. He's been at Fox a long. He's been at Fox for a long time, and he's just thirty-four years old. So it's a it's a really it was really fun to get to know Joe Davis. First time I ever spoke to him. First time I ever interviewed him. Really enjoyed it. Seems like a really good guy. And uh, we talk about his sort of rise, taking over for Joe, how he thought it all played out. Differences between calling baseball and football, and uh, we talked a lot about grilling because if you go to Joe Davis's Instagram, he likes to barbecue. So uh, that was a that's the last like ten minutes of the conversation before uh, we get to Joe Davis. Just quickly, if you missed any recent episodes, go into the archive, subscribe, and rate and review if you can. Last week we did an all train of thoughts edition with Sal. Two weeks ago, Andrew Marchand. Three weeks ago, Katie Nolan. Four weeks ago, Ryan Rossillo. If you missed any of those, they're in the archive. Subscribe to the pod. And like I said, leave a review and uh, we'll read it on a future episode. All right, let's get to Joe Davis from Fox Sports, the new voice of Major League Baseball, right here on the SI Media Podcast. All right, joining me now, first time on the SI Media Podcast, and uh, he is a man that we are going to get a lot of these days now that he is the lead voice for Fox on MLB and Maybe moving up the ranks in Fox's NFL coverage, Joe Davis. Joe, how are you? I'm good, Jimmy. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. And yeah. uh, congrats on being named Joe Buck's replacement as the number one lead baseball voice on Fox. That has to be a huge thrill.
3: Yeah, it really is, man. I, I, it's, It honestly is. It sounds cliche, but it's what I dreamt of doing. Had you asked me when I was 10 or 12 years old, I would have told you, yeah. I want to call the World Series. So I've been pinching myself ever since I found out.
2: The funny thing about asking you when you were 10 or 12 is that it wasn't that long ago for you. I mean, you're just 34 years old as as a lead play-by-play voice going to call the World Series, like you said. I mean, that's pretty spectacular. Um, Did you ever imagine it would all come this quick for you?
3: No, no. I mean, honestly, I thought Joe would do it forever. And Joe, like, it's just hard to envision Fox without Joe Buck. Uh, He's the guy that, you know, I I started watching the World Series and the biggest NFL events. He was the guy doing it. So you just, of course, it's what I dreamt of doing and hoped that it would happen sooner rather than later, but just had zero Mm -hmm. expectations that there would be a world where Joe would go somewhere else.
2: It's funny because on on this podcast over the last, few months when the NFL broadcasting carousel went completely haywire. I've often talked about how it basically all started. everything that happened, it all started with basically Peyton Manning and ESPN not being able to get him and ESPN wanting to get Romo and then CBS making this crazy offer for Romo. And in a, in a crazy circular way, you're getting this gig in a way because of Peyton Manning and Tony Romo, because that's what led to Joe leaving and going to ESPN. And then you get to move up. Have you ever thought about Amazing. how it got yeah. to this place?
3: It's crazy, right? They're going to like, they got to make a 30 for 30 on this whole thing. Don't they? So they're going to be, a, I mean, more than like an article, there's going to be a book written on this movement.
2: There will be. There absolutely. Funny, will be.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can be the guy, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's funny you bring up the Peyton thing I guess I hadn't gone that far along the kind of the line of logic on that far back the night that I found out for sure it was happening I tongue-in-cheek toasted Troy Aikman with my buddies that I was with and actually was with Kevin Burkhart we found out the same day we were together in Las Vegas doing the Pac-12 tournament uh, when Brad Zager flew out and told us each individually and uh, that night we got a bottle of champagne together and, and uh, that was, that was the toast. Here's to Troy Aikman who I kind of looked at without taking a steps further down the road as uh, kind of patient zero to the whole trickle down. <laughs>
2: yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it really, everything all got started with that Romo contract because then obviously yeah. other people wanted that money. And then, it, but it, it, it is funny. Like you, I mean, you, you said it perfectly, whether it's a 30, 30 or a buck, it's all gonna, it all, it can show how Tony Romo affected that contract with CBS went in so many directions, including yourself. Um, it's amazing, too. I, you know, I mentioned 34, you're gonna replace Joe Buck, who left for ESPN. You also took over for Vince Scully. So I would imagine that experience helps you tremendously in replacing Joe, who did baseball on Fox, I think, for 25 years.
3: Yeah, I think so. And I think, Jimmy, it's because. Like one way to channel it would be, oh, my God, I'm replacing Ben. Oh, my God, I'm replacing Joe. But it was really important for me taking the Dodger job to right away say, look, I whether it is or it isn't, I can't look at it as replacing him. I'm the guy following him. Right. Because I think if you're looking at it as trying to replace him, that you're going to fail. I mean, Vin yeah. is the greatest ever to do it. Joe is a legend. So I look at it as a responsibility to be the one to follow Joe, just like I did a responsibility to be the one to follow Vin. And I also look at it as a big part of what makes the gig special for me. Like, how could it not make it special in the Dodger job? And then for Joe in particular, he's the guy who I grew up listening to and, and thinking I'd, I'd love to be a little bit like him someday.
2: Take, take me and my listeners back a little bit um, because, you know, I'm here in New York. So obviously I'm, I don't have as much of a pulse on what the reaction was like when you did, I'm going to use the word replace just for lack of a better word, sure. but when you took over or replaced or when Vin retired and you yeah. obviously, you know, it's pretty much the all time greatest baseball voice. I think everyone agrees with that. Where fa- I want to know fan reaction where, because I could see it where fans were like, okay, Vin is of a certain age. It's, we get it. We're not going to be so hard on this new guy here in New York. It might be, well, you know, we don't want anyone doing the games other than this guy. And now we're going to give the young guy some grief here. How did it go for you with the Dodger fans in LA? I
3: prepared myself for it to be like that, for it to be the worst. And I think that that was probably a realistic thing to prepare for. I think part of it is the team has been amazing since I took over. So I've been delivering nothing but good news. And then I've got a great (laughs) partner in Oral Hershizer who kind of took me under his wing and I think validated me and every day validates me by even subtle things. Just like he puts a stamp on everything I say and he's Oral Hershizer and he's been doing that for from the day I took the job. So I think those two things, Jimmy, led to the fans accepting me faster than I kind of guarded myself uh, to have happen.
2: Now, I should mention, Joe, uh, Fox has a game this coming weekend on Saturday night, 7 Eastern Phillies Mets, big national game that Joe will be calling with John Smoltz. Anything you do different, any approach different, anything when you go from whatever you were, number two, I guess, up to number one to replace Joe or everything's the same and nothing changes for you in terms of doing the game?
3: Yeah, it's a good question. I, a good buddy of mine is Wayne Randazzo on the Mets radio crew, and yep. we were texting last night. And he said, are you, are you extra fired up for this weekend, being the first one is kind of the guy? And I said, yeah, like, sure, but I, I think it's unhealthy to go too far down that path and think, like, okay, I'm the guy now. Like, what, is this? what does that mean? I, I don't know. I, I try not to. Yeah, I acknowledge that it's really cool that I'm the guy and that this is the first game John and I have together since that announcement's been made, but it doesn't really change anything. I'm going to be me. The game's going to happen. People are going to watch the game because they care about the game. They don't care about me. They don't care about who's calling it. Uh, so I'll just be myself and hope for a fun game to call.
2: Yeah, you won't really feel it, I think, until the World Maybe the yeah, LCS right. or the
3: World Series.
2: Maybe the All-Star
3: um, game. All star game, I may, I may feel that a little yeah.
2: bit. Yeah, yeah. Now, Joe, Joe was unfairly bashed for a long time. I think a lot of people came around the last few years and realized Joe was great. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much of it is Joe or just the nature of the gig. I think baseball for for what you do, I think it's really tough. With baseball being such a localized sport now, and then when a national game comes on fans the local fans are not usually thrilled with the national announcers just because it's something different than they're used to. Football is obviously different every game is national. Um is, how important is it how much in terms of like you have Phillies Mets mm-hmm. this Saturday every day now leading up to that are you trying to get as much Phillies Mets content as you can even you know outside of just the stats and yeah. you can go in there easily knowing you know okay Pete Alonso's the you know, slugger, but are you looking all for right. anecdotes and all that leading up to the game?
3: Yeah. Well, I think the fact that I see these teams doing the Dodgers every day, like Dodgers just played the Phillies seven times in a two week span. So right. that's a great background. I, I try to also keep up with the teams you know, the big market teams, the teams I know I'm going to be covering throughout the year, every day, read a little something about them. So I'm not picking it up completely cold, but I think you nailed it when when you come into a week where, for example, this week doing the Mets and the Phillies, I'm picking up two teams that people follow like it's their job to follow. And that's what makes this my job so special, is that people are out there caring so much about the teams that they're watching. But I gotta be able to not just show up and call the game. I hopefully tell those people something they don't know about these teams that they watch every single day and are experts on. So I read everything I can. I talk to as many people as I can to make it more than just parachuting in and calling the game. Hopefully bring something to the table.
2: I mentioned earlier, 34 years old, you've got the lead MLB gig for Fox. Your resume though. I mean, you've done it. It seems like you've already done it all. I mean, you've done MLB, NFL, college, basketball, college, football. Do you... Have a is there a favorite sport you have call to call and and to work?
3: Football and basketball, or football and baseball, I say is like one a one b, depending on right. which one I'm doing. Basketball is cool that you're courtside and you're kind of in it and you get in a good environment. That's cool, but yeah, for me it's it's there's something romantic about broadcasting baseball and and the historical connection between the medium and, and the game I, that's special to me. And, and the day-to-day nature of the sport is special, but also football and the buildup to the event is amazing too. And I grew up in a football family. My dad is a longtime football coach in Michigan. So football is kind of part of my blood. And um, so those two sports, one A and one B depending yeah. on which one I'm doing.
2: Yeah. And, which sport is more difficult of an assignment i think
3: i think that probably baseball is the is the hardest one to be good at just because football more than baseball the action carries you so as long as you're going to be as long as you've got the basics of calling the play and can keep up like that can carry the three hour broadcast, whereas baseball, I don't remember who it is that said it, but for football and for basketball, you spend a week preparing for the game for baseball. You kind of spend your entire life preparing to call the game, right. Who knows what's going to come up over the course of a three or four hour broadcast. So to, I think to be good at baseball, to have that wearability factor in baseball, that's probably the most difficult thing.
2: I, you know, it's funny. Obviously, you're the number one voice for baseball, but it's no secret what football is in this country, obviously. And, you know, I did, I had Troy on uh, last season and I was shocked because I asked him about, you know, it was when he was still at Fox and there were rumors about Amazon. And I asked him flat out, you know, if you go to Amazon, your viewership is going to be way less than Sunday at 425. And he was like, yeah, he's like, that's a factor. And he was honest about that, which, Um, I appreciate it. I was a little surprised about with you, like you're the number one voice for baseball, but you know, even when you're doing the third or fourth NFL game, you're getting so many more viewers. Does that amp you up more or you don't think about how many people are watching?
3: Yeah, I don't, I guess I don't put a ton of thought into it, to be honest with you. I mean, there may be some, like when I filled in for Joe on, uh, with Troy last year, I did one game. There's something to that, but I don't know if it's me thinking, wow, there are millions more people watching this. As opposed to, wow, this is the biggest game in the NFL this week. So I think I look at it more that way, just like the, you know, the bigness of the event, as opposed to the bigness of the number.
2: Yeah. I, I'm always, I ask this question of every single play by play person that I speak to. What is your relationship with Twitter? Do you check it? Do you not check it? Cause I always think it's insane when play by play people tell me they check Twitter, but I mean, Uh your mentions, obviously, you know, if you scroll through, I'm talking about your mentions.
3: I I would say I'm getting better at not
2: that, you know,
3: and and I think I'm healthier for it. I would like to completely just be off there because I think there's something to be said for how, like, what is it? So, okay. So here's the thing. You get 10 tweets. Nine of them are nice praising, you one of them's bad, hating you. The one bad one sticks with you. That's like the way I'm wired. At least that's the one I pay attention to. But even if it's not the case, The nine good ones, like, who are they and why does that matter? I I shouldn't need Twitter to tell me if I did a good job. I know if I was good or if I was crap. So I think I'm doing a better job of not paying attention to that. And I think it'll be important for me to commit to that mindset going into this new gig, like not letting that define how I feel about how the game and the broadcast went.
2: I think this is just me personally. I think there are just certain professions where, you are way better off not being on Twitter and play by play person is yeah. at the top of that
0: list. Yeah. You
2: know, it's funny. Um, this is actually going to be like a negative story, which I don't mean to insult you while you're on my podcast, because that would be yeah. rude, but I have to, you know, in an indirect way, the mean tweets helped me. I remember one day you, f- you filled in for Joe. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember how it worked. I, Joe, it was a baseball playoffs. It was a Mm -hmm. game in Denver, and I don't remember if Joe did the NFL and blew off the post. I think he did the NFL and blew off the postseason game. It was Yankees-Astros, I think. And you did it. Okay. And you did the Yankee-Astro game, and there were people on Twitter saying, like, crushing Joe. And I was able to get an article out of that by, like, look at these stupid people (laughs) ripping Joe who was doing the football game in Denver when it was actually you. So I I don't want to bring up that people were ripping you, but um, it was... It was it. It to me, it summed up perfectly what Twitter is. Yes,
3: exactly. I remember you doing, it and I was like, I remember thinking, like, come on, Jimmy, like we've never really be like Jimmy. This is like, come on, but it, it's the nature of the beast, right? And
2: yeah, I mean, listen, it was more meant about you know to show you what Twitter is not a reflection on you. So I know, and I, know. I and, it t- and what it really was was about. I think people had such an irrational dislike of Joe that I wait, never wait. understood, and I and I thought that's really. Um, You know what it is um the the grind of a baseball season and then you incorporate nfl do you feel do you ever feel like you're you're over i'm not listen i don't want to compare you to you know people who are digging ditches or what but when you do local baseball which Mm is you know most local people there for like 150 games 140 games then you mix in the fox baseball then you're mixing in the fox nfl you ever feel like, okay, this is a lot, or you're good with it all? I mean, you yeah. are only 34, so, you know. Yeah. No, there are
3: times, of course, where you're tired, and uh, but it's so easy to like, smack yourself and be like, come on, man. Right, right, right. Yeah, had right. you told me this 10 years ago that yeah. I'd be doing this, that, oh, my God, I have to go from doing the Dodger game Thursday to flying to New York for Yankees-Red Sox Friday. Like, oh, my God. Come on, snap yeah. out of it, dude. So yeah. it's, it's, for me, it's so easy to quickly be like, I got it so good. Yeah. I'm so thankful to be doing exactly what I've always dreamt of doing. Yeah, it gets, it gets to be a lot in the way of prep and the way of travel, but it's pretty easy to get over that quickly.
2: Yeah. Do you know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but since I have I it, I might as well ask you, do you know what's going on with the, the number two gig at Fox for the NFL? Has anyone said anything to you? Yeah, Marshan said it's between you and Adam Amin.
3: Yeah, it, it, he. I guess he usually knows more than we do. He knows. But, yeah, that uh, is true. He's he's in, man. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I I figure we'll know before too long. But I wish I could break something for you. I just don't. Do know. Do
2: you that. want that gig? Is that is it important for you to yeah. get that gig?
3: Yeah, that would be awesome. You know, like we talk about. I, I'm drawn not to any kind of numbers in terms of viewership. It's about the bigness of the event for me and, and those events are big I would love it
2: yeah that that number two role gets a playoff game in, in a lot of right. years so that would be right. that would be huge and I guess that analyst like who you'd work with is sort of up in the air because Greg Olson's going to hold the seat warm for Brady yeah and then, uh, so they need a number two guy until Tom retires so who knows who you could work with if you get that guy it keeps on
3: turning right. man that, that, you can't write the book yet because there's still Still chapters to write. And
2: is would the would would the ultimate goal be to be the number? I mean, obviously Cameron Burkhart just signed like a long-term deal, but is the ultimate goal to be the number one NFL guy, number one baseball guy, and sort of do the Joe Buck thing?
3: It's interesting. I mm. again I go if you let's do the 10 years ago thing. Had you asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, I, and this is just kind of how I am, I will consider myself, and I wouldn't like said this out loud, but in my head, I was thinking if I'm not the number one at a network, I've failed. That's always kind of been my goal. And then I get the Dodger job and that exceeded expectations and how much I've enjoyed it. And it's almost like, as I started to kind of come to terms with, man, it don't have to be 1A. A. Like this is I got a I got a wonderful young family. I got three kids who I love and who love me and a wife. I can say the same about got this Dodger job. That's spectacular. I'm doing big national events. If I don't get one, a fine. And it's almost like I started to come around to that. And then the World Series thing happened. It's like, oh, okay, good deal. This is amazing. Yeah, Uh, I I think Kevin's going to be calling the Super Bowl at Fox for as long as he wants it. Any of us wanted to like any, of course. Right. But like, yeah. I'm I so happy doing what I'm doing and whatever that may be for football and pair that with getting to do the dream gig at calling the world series. I don't know. I don't know if that's cop-out answer, but I'm, I'm just so happy doing what I'm going to be doing here.
2: I'm going to, this is really going to put you on the spot. And if you say I'm not answering that, I won't be offended at all. I probably yeah. shouldn't ask it, but I'll just throw it out there. Since you work were yeah. five, when, when the news breaks that Tom signs that, deal and yeah you know, martian said 375 fox said not true are the fox people texting each other like do you believe this shit? look what's going on right here tom tom's coming in Tom, i know you, i yeah. i know you know i know aaron was very excited because i i sent mm-hmm. aaron andrews a text and she was all pumped up but what was the inside fox reaction to tom brady coming to fox
3: yeah, I think it's probably like everybody. I, it's amazing to me that they kept it as quiet as they did, that nobody had it.
2: That to me and, is the most underrated part of this story. You hit it on the head. Yeah. Nothing ever stays a secret in this business ever. And the fact that they were able to announce that on that call without anyone breaking it, especially Martian, it, it was shocking. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then it was like a, Oh, by the way, kind of release too. Right. Like, uh, so yeah, to answer your question, it I think we were all probably the same as everybody else. Cause we had just as little true information as the rest of the public. So it broke and everybody's like, Oh my God. Like, so that explains why this has gone on as long as it
2: has. It, it's, it's, it's wild to think about, um, I, I, you know, people get focused on the money. I don't really care about the money. I, what I'm, what I find fascinating is he's going to go to Fox, but we don't know when. And I I'm, I could see Tom playing one year. I could see Tom playing three years. Nothing, neither uh, one would surprise me. That's how I feel uh, about
3: it. So Yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
2: Um. Back to you. I, you know, I mentioned a few times already that you're 34. You've been with Fox though since 2014. So, I mean, you really broke in so young. Um, did you, ha- because you broke in so young. I mean, if you're at Fox 2014, eight years ago, you're, you know, early twenties was, do you think it was better to break in that way? at, at so young and, and learn, or did a lack of experience? I mean, you did have experience. I know you did a lot of minor league stuff, but do, was it, did it work out in terms of learning on the job and this was the way to do it? And so, you know, you hear, you hear so many sort of play by yeah. play by play people who toil for 10, 12, 15 years, your experience is so different. Well, tell me about that. I
3: think that the, the challenge that came out of it, Jimmy, wasn't as much like, okay, am I ready for this or am I not? I think it was that, like you said, at 24, 25, 26, whatever the age was when I started doing these events, these, this was big. I was doing number two college football. I was already starting to fill in for Joe on baseball a little bit. So I'm doing this big-time stuff, and it's amazing. But then it was easy to feel like I kind of stagnated. Because I would gotten to this incredible spot probably before I was supposed to. You know, they took a chance on me. So I think I had to rem- mention kind of coming to terms with the idea of maybe not being the guy like long term and finally getting wrapping my mind around that. Well, for somebody who where that's always been the goal, I raced to this, you know, kind of like B tier of announcers. And then it's like, well, well, what the hell? Like, I feel like I'm banging up against a glass ceiling. So there were that that probably would be the biggest challenge to the whole thing, mm. uh, a challenge that I think I'd started to get past. And it, it wasn't as big of a mm. thing when when this uh, whole change yeah. went down.
2: The, 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 I asked that question terribly. I think the better way I should have asked it was, did you have any self-doubt mm. when you first went to Fox because you were young? Because. I would imagine, you know, someone in their forties who's done minor leagues for 20 years gets in there like, okay, I deserve this gig. I'm ready to go. I have all experience. At twenty-six, you know, because I, you know, there could be a little of like, oh, am I ready for this? Who, you know, who do I think I am doing this at 26? So th- that really was how I should have asked that bad question.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I uh No, I don't think I had any of that. I think there's always been a little bit of like, I have to. I'm not going to get the benefit of the doubt because I've always kind of been the young guy. Even doing minor league baseball, I was 21, 22 when I started in A, and it's really young for that level. So I guess I've always had to consider that, and I don't want to use the word overcome that because it's like, come on, like you said, yeah. we're not doing ditches here. We're not, we're not doing real hard work. This isn't rocket science. I don't know that I had to overcome anything as much as kind of be conscious of the idea that I'm not going to get the benefit of the doubt. What I think that I think that led to a couple things. I think it led to one good thing, and that was I knew I had to nail the basics, right? Like I couldn't get facts wrong. I had to be perfect. The negative of that was I had to be perfect. And I didn't, i probably for the first five years of my time at Fox, and I'm far from perfect now, but I didn't let myself be myself as as much as I should have. I didn't have as much fun as I should have on the air. It was probably too uptight, and that was because, even if it was subconscious, I was trying to, I guess, probably overcome the idea that I didn't have the benefit of the doubt because of my age.
2: Yeah, it this too. I, I feel like things have swung, and I do feel like in this day and age today, and maybe it's because of with social media and all this. I do feel like fans, most fans, I should say, not all. Most fans want, there's got to be some levity. There's got to be some fun, yeah. whether it's NFL or or MLB. It, it just, people yearn for something other than just, you know, here's the one. Oh, it's a curveball ball. Yeah. Ground ball is short. Like I feel like fans more than ever want some fun from the, from their telecasts. It's
3: first. funny you say that mm-hmm. I'm working right now with Dontre Willis on some mm-hmm. Dodger games. He's, he's been filling in for Oral on some of the road games and We didn't know how it was going to go, right? Don not a former Dodger. He hadn't done a ton of games on TV. And I think he'd be the first to tell you he's not a traditional listen. But I think the lesson, like, everybody loves him. And I think the lesson is a good one for somebody like me who's like, okay, we got to get everything right. Like, we got to nail the call, and we got to – the information's got to be – perfect. We just got to have fun. People don't give a crap about if if I have the best stat or the best story. Right. They just want to tune into the game, not worry about the other stuff, and enjoy the – they hope their team wins, and then they yeah. hope that the people that they're listening to are are fun to listen to. So I, I think that Don Terrell and the way he's doing the job is a great lesson for me and, and for all of us.
1: Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 41 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm to front door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. All
2: right, so speaking of fun, you had a call recently that I got a kick out of, but I have a feeling there's some context there we may be missing. But (laughs) we're going to play this call, and I just want to know what was going on here. Can we play the call, please, Shelby? On a payoff pitch,
3: he hits one to a person.
2: All right. He hits one to a person. Is that yeah. now a Joe Davis signature call? What do we got there?
3: Yeah, right, right. You can expect that game seven of the yeah. World Series is going to drop yeah. that. So it's funny you bring that up now. That was Don Trell and I were working together. This is Dodgers, Phillies. We're not on this trip. Uh, there's some COVID stuff with, with our broadcast. Oh, that's right. Doing I see. Game. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Doing the game off monitors again. So we're sitting in a closet in El Segundo where the uh, Sportsnet LA studio. Is that true? Are. Yeah. So how about this? Last night Tyler Anderson takes a perfect game into the sixth inning, and I'm in this makeshift studio, and I'm thinking, I'm about to call the twenty-fourth perfect game in major league history from a freaking closet in El Segundo, California.
2: That's amazing. They don't um, have a they couldn't put you in a real studio. They they have you in a closet.
3: I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like a closet, <laughs> right? Like it's it's a it's a former side office that they've turned into a
2: Stereo. I mean the, the Dodgers yeah, not, are I, I mean, this is this is the Los yeah. Angeles Dodgers. Let's put the broadcast crew in a nice place, please. It,
3: my, yeah, but well, not look, the it's, pirates.
2: It's a one-off trip. Right? We're yeah. be <laughs>
3: going off. But anyway, so that's the setting. Dontrell and I are sitting there just uh having fun because that's what that's what we do. And I think it's easier to have fun and kind of be like, uh, oh, here we go when you're sitting in that environment. But anyways, uh Muncie was up to bat, Muncy's been having a horrible year. Don Terrell says, hit one to the people. Let's, let's see him get his foot down and hit one to the people. And next swing, he pops it up, huge swing, and he pops it up to second base. And that's when I said he hits one to a person.
2: Okay. I knew there had to be some, con- you know, the yeah. internet doesn't give you context, but that yeah, makes right. a lot of sense. That's a great, but that even that is funny though, the way that, I, I mean, if they would have, whoever put that clip up on wherever I saw it, they could have put that whole thing with Don Terrell's words first and it still still works as something pretty yeah, funny. Yeah. Um, before I let you go and, uh, I'll remind everyone, you can hear Joe doing uh game Saturday night on Fox 7. PM Eastern Philly's Mets. I, in, in prepping for this podcast, I checked out your Instagram page and I saw that you are a big, big griller.
3: Yeah.
2: So like, to me, this is way more fascinating than baseball. Way football. better. Yeah. Um, you look like you take it very seriously. Like. You know what you're doing, but also it looks like like you're really into it.
3: Yeah. it's uh, I'm kind of a boring dude, Jimmy, where it's like I got my family. I got my job. I don't have a whole lot of time for anything else. Food and like restaurants and, and making my own food is the other little sliver of my time. So I started doing this probably 2014, right after we got married. We didn't have kids yet uh, grilled on a, my dad grilled on a Weber kettle as I was growing up. So it was always something we did in Michigan, you know, during Michigan summers. So I got into it a little bit, converted my Weber kettle into a smoker. You can rig them up to to make them into a smoker, started doing that in 14 and it's kind of become my side obsession. And I
2: saw on Instagram, you have the big green egg. I do. How about this?
3: the, The big green egg was a gift from my old college football partner, Brady Quinn. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. he's like he saw me that's, cooking on the Weber kettle, and he would I say I'm getting you an egg. I'm getting you an egg. Sure as shit. Well, season ends it's right around Christmas, <laughs> and truck pulls up with a big green egg rolled off there.
2: It's a great gift.
3: It, it sure is. And it's now uh,
2: there's now it's a great gift. But now I go right into like Seinfeld Kirby enthusiasm mode when I hear that. <laughs> now there's pressure on you. Like funny. you can't just set, you can't just like send a thank you text. Like you gotta no. Do,
3: Well, I guess the good thing there is that he can just come over and I can cook for him.
2: Okay. Was that like? Did you have to reciprocate? How do you top the big green egg if you have to reciprocate? Right. Even try.
3: Like, what do you 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 do?
2: I think when the gift's that big, you don't reciprocate because, like, what do you? What are you going to do? Give him a bottle of wine? Like,
3: you know? Right. Okay. Check a box. You know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think I don't think I did reciprocate. So I think I played it (laughs) perfect.
2: So what do you have? So get, tell me what you have like in the backyard. Do you have like multiple grills, or is it just the big green egg and like one gas grill? What do you got?
3: We were sitting around during the pandemic. Everybody's sitting at home. Twenty twenty. You know what boomed was like home improvement stuff, and, right. in California hardscape outdoor stuff so we're sitting there looking at our backyard like eh, this we we don't like it we don't like it so let's let's redo it so we redid the backyard put it in an outdoor kitchen california we're so lucky we get this gorgeous weather so i got the big green egg i've got a gas grill that i don't really use a ton so it's mostly the big green egg and yeah uh, any any time which this time of year there aren't many times but anytime i can i'm out there kind of forcing myself to slow down and and just take in a full day
2: I, it just came into my head as you were speaking. Did you see the thing recently? I think it was probably last week, maybe a week ago uh, with Florio from Pro Football Talk where oh. he, t- he he tweeted a picture of a steak that he had grilled and it looked like shit and people, and people were destroying him on Twitter. And I was reading the comments and I was laughing, but in the comments, people were like, mocking him for using a gas grill. And I have a gas grill. And I'm like, OK, now I'm an idiot, too, because I'm using the gas grill. And you just said, yeah, you yeah. don't use the grill. So like I, I'm not I mean, I use my bar. I use my grill a lot, but I wouldn't say I'm a griller and I'm not an expert. And, you know, when I saw your Instagram, I was like, OK, he's you know, I go out there and I'll cook a steak and some sausage and some burgers and whatever. But I use a gas grill. And then I felt shame for using the grass gas grill. When I saw the replies to, to you Florida. Sort of
3: should, a little bit, you should. Yeah, we okay. should probably upgrade you.
2: Yeah. I know it's, you know, I don't want to deal with charcoal and all that stuff.
3: Okay. And, well, I was going to say, if you, if you don't have to pay a bunch of money, you just right. want the charcoal taste. But yeah. if you don't want to deal with the charcoal, then you're not going to yeah. get the charcoal.
2: The taste. convenience of the gas grill is, is what, I'm, you know, and plus here it. in New York, we can't, right. you know, it, it's a little different. We have like three ideal months for, it. I mean, I grill in the winter, but I mean, I stand out there with a park and a light. And yeah. All that. I so get give it. me like what, if if you were like going to impress people, Mm -hmm. Like, let's say the Fox team was coming over and they were going to make you like, you know, the number two NFL announcer and you needed to put a meal together. What are you grilling to impress them?
3: I'd probably ask. I like to, as much as I like food and, and love trying new restaurants, I've have kind of a picky Midwest background where I grew up with not a wide variety, so I always like when people when I'm going over to somebody's house to have they ask me or at least yeah. know what I'm getting into. So I'd ask <laughs> uh, steaks. You know, I like to do steaks on cast iron. That's something I use the gas grill for. I'll put the the cast iron into the gas grill, heat up the cast iron that way.
2: All right, so, so educate me on something because I'll yeah. use the cast iron for a steak too, like in the winter, but. Is there a benefit to doing that, the cast iron on the grill as opposed to a stovetop?
3: It just whatever can get it hotter. Okay. The heat, you, you got to get that thing piping hot as hot right. as you possibly can. Right. So I'll do I'll uh, I'll use I got a guy here in LA, just just this amazing friend of mine who hooks me up with some great meat. So I'll get some get some steaks, do those in the uh, I'll do the fillets on the cast iron. I'll do like a tomahawk ribeye on the egg. I'll sear that, sear the hell out of both sides, right. bring it to the temperature indirect. Uh, cast iron back to that. You do a little bit instead of using oil or butter or anything. I like to use uh, a little bit of beef tallow to I don't even grease know what that is. Pan. It's basically beef fat, in and right, right. it's awful. It's so gross, but it, it <laughs> works. So I yeah, grease the pan up that way, salt and pepper. That's all I do on the beef, um, and, and get nice. that nice char on there. And bring it. Th- I'm, I'm an amateur, man. Really, yeah. I'm an amateur. It but didn't just, look like
2: uh, it. It didn't look like it. I and that's it. That. another huge, you know, controversy that always goes on on the internet is like, how do you like your steak? Like, if all I right. feel like if you don't say medium rare, I'm, I like medium, and then you know, of them now like rip me for that. What where yeah. do you go? What do you do? Medium rare. I'm like medium, medium. Okay. Yeah, okay. for
3: okay. myself now. When I'm right. cooking for a big group, right. it's typically a little below that. I try to at least because I think that you're right. You know, most people steer that way. You should be more ashamed for the gas grill than the medium thing.
2: I know, I know. I felt it the other day when I saw people ripping Florio. I was like, oh my god, this yeah. is bad. but my steaks. I think he had. I don't. I'm not sure if his steak was as bad as people. Make. I think he had bad lighting and it made the steak right. look really gross. I think it was bad lighting on his photo. And people are mean about the food. Oh, i
3: this yeah. picture. You think they're mean about my crappy calls of baseball games. You should see him come after some of my food.
2: Really? But everything I saw on your Instagram page looked amazing. So I you'll
3: find pizza. something.
2: You did Not the pizza in like, the egg. I was and You yeah. showed how that was good. That was good. Yeah. You know, they,
3: uh, Every time I post, every time I do a brisket or any beef ribs where it's a long, you know, low and slow and it winds up right. with this crunchy bark, inevitably, I'm going to get somebody who tweets at me, wow, you burnt the hell out of that.
2: Right, and I right. just want
3: to pull my hair out. You know, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's the bark from doing the smoke. But yeah. we got to get off social media, Jimmy. Yeah.
2: Well, it, it it it's I wish I could, but I can't. I know I need it for my job. Um, I feel bad, though, about that article. Now that you saw it, I figured you would never see that article. <laughs> but I, I pulled the tweets from people ripping you. But I, but I, listen, I just as someone who's in this and pays attention, I, you're not even anywhere near in the top 50 of play by play people who get crapped on on Twitter. So at least that's it. That was just a, that was a one off. That was a one off. I hear you. All forgive right. me for that, Fair. please. Fair. You please forgive me. me. Okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate coming on and yeah. uh, good luck with the new gig as the lead MLB voice for Fox. And we'll see what happens with the NFL if you uh, get that number two gig. And if not, you still get, you know, decent games. You know, it, it is. How do you feel about this as an NFL guy? It does seem like everything sh- shifted towards the AFC. Do you ever think about that with, you know, Russell Wilson's there now and they got all the quarterbacks, NFC's maybe on a little bit of a downslope? you ever think about that or you don't
3: yeah i mean i guess if it was okay are they going to put me on like if the afc was even an option for me i guess i'd think about that right. but it is what it is sort of thing right you guys
2: love brady and rogers though
3: yeah yeah That's, exactly that, and it's and all the cowboys cyclical. And it's cyclical like you yeah. you know a few years from now absolutely it back the other way yeah absolutely
2: all right joe good luck and uh like i said congrats and thanks for coming on and uh Maybe we'll have you on like maybe World Series time when the the pressure gets ramped up. Let's do it. I appreciate (laughs) it, man. It's good to talk to you. You too. Take care. Thanks. All right. My thanks to Joe Davis. Really enjoyed chatting with him. And uh, we'll be back next week with the train of thoughts and Sal Licata. But for this week, uh, just Joe Davis. And I appreciate you guys listening. If you enjoy the interview and you're not a subscriber, hit the subscribe button on the SI Media Podcast. And if you can rate and review, that helps as well. And uh, that's it. We'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Stay safe and take care.